Mitchell and making his way through all those Hebrew names. That's not so easy. And good to be with you. Thank you for making your way here through the Muffleheads. Have you seen all those? It's the, it's the Northern Ohio State insect. Coming in, one of the kids said, you know, you can eat those. They're protein. I thought, well, that takes care of tomorrow's cookout. That would be, be great. Hey, um, we're going to uh, get into the book of Ruth in just a minute, but I want to draw your attention to the little card that you received when you came in. It's on the screen. There we go. And uh, new times uh, next week. So that will affect you. Uh, 5 o'clock Saturday evening, 9 o'clock on Sunday, then 10.30 service. So pick whichever one works best for you. But uh, we're returning to some normalcy, as you know, which is great. All of our campuses, same thing, changes in times. And it'll be good to worship with you. So glad to be with you today. And I want to also mention that I think there probably are some kids in this room who typically would be in the Chapel Kids Hallway. It's closed down for this, just this weekend. You received an activity bag in there as a little sheet that you can use your crayons and pencil to draw on. You can draw a picture of me. There's a place for that if you want or whatever you want. I'll autograph it for you later. Or maybe write down a word you don't understand or some things that you do understand. So use that sheet as you like. And adults, you can do that too if you want. All right, I want to get into the story of Ruth. What I want to do is to actually uh, go back to the very beginning of the book of Ruth. And these are the very first words, and it goes like this. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, uh, the book of Ruth takes place during this time when judges ruled in Israel. This is before the kings came along. And this was a very dark time in the, in the nation of Israel. In fact, the book of Judges ends with these words, Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Not God's eyes, but in their own eyes. And yet, in this story of Ruth, there are three people. Naomi, Boaz, and Ruth. And they strive to do what was right in God's eyes. In fact, the book of Ruth is like a diamond under a bright light. Shimmering, bright, with the background of Israel, this darkness. It's a beautiful story, the book of Ruth. As you know, we've been through it. Today we come to our last day. Um, before we get there, I want to draw your attention to a term, uh, providence, that does not show up anywhere in the Bible, does not show up in the book of Ruth, and yet the idea of providence is everywhere in the Bible and everywhere in the book of Ruth. John Piper recently wrote a book called Providence, and in it he distinguishes between fate and providence. Fate is like whatever is will be. Some of you would remember Doris Day. Years ago, she sang a song, Que sera, sera, which means whatever will be, will be. Uh, that's fate. It's, it's life with wheels but no eyes. Providence, as John Piper explains it, is purposeful sovereignty. Um, the, the, the wheels of life has eyes. And it's not just that God sees everything. He sees to it that his purposes, that his plan is fulfilled as he ordains it. And as you look through the book of Ruth, this is what we've seen. Underlying the whole story of ordinary lives, there's this sense of God providentially working behind the scenes to carry out a much bigger plan. And today, this last day of our study of Ruth, we come to that much bigger plan. We'll explore that in just a few moments. Now, before we get there, what I'd like to do is a, a bit of review. I want us to pretend for a moment <clears throat> we're in a movie theater, 
And, uh, and the movie uh, is something we've been watching for a while. It's the movie of Ruth. It's the story of Ruth. When you walked in, you got your popcorn. So just imagine yourself sitting. We should have done that today. We should have had popcorn. That'd be great. And um, you're sitting there watching the movie. And I'm going to do a bit of review for you before we get to the end of the movie. So this is what we've heard and seen so far in the movie. There was scene one. This is some weeks ago. But in this movie, it begins with scene one, and Elimelech and Naomi, they leave their hometown of Bethlehem, Judah, because there's no food there, which is ironic because Bethlehem means house of bread. And they they move with their two sons to a distant land east of them called Moab, which is an interesting choice. Even though there's food there, Moab is known as a, a place of great idolatry, and they stand opposed to their God. But they move there. And while they are there, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, dies. So she becomes a widow. And then her two sons die. So now she is a childless widow. And she begins to long for a home and begins to understand she made a terrible mistake moving so far away from her God. And in a sense of repentance, she turns back to God. Isn't it interesting how sometimes God can providentially, working behind the scenes, use even pain in our lives to catch our attention, to bring us to our senses and bring us back to God. Scene two. Naomi and now one of her daughters-in-law who stays with her, Ruth, return back to Bethlehem. Naomi is bitter. She is is angry at God. In fact, her, her name, Naomi, means sweet, but she asks to be called Mara because it means bitter. And we learned That week, what lament means. Lament means to take your sorrows to God, which she does. To lament means to exist in the tension between your troubles and your trust in God, which she does. Now, providentially, God working behind the scenes, Ruth watching Naomi authentically deal honestly with her troubles, but yet trusting in God, Ruth is drawn to Naomi's God and puts her faith in Naomi's God. Scene three, Naomi and Ruth are in Bethlehem and they have nothing. They are two widows in that culture. That was a dangerous place to be in great need. And so Naomi sends Ruth to the fields just to pick up the grain that the harvesters left behind, grain off the ground. But providentially, Ruth happens to be in a field owned by the name of a guy named Boaz. And Boaz ends up being a very kind and generous man. Now, this is interesting and noteworthy that Ruth is from Moab. She is a foreigner. But he knows enough of God's heart to be kind to this lady from Moab and kind to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And he sends them home with food. And Naomi learns that Ruth has been in Boaz's field. And she says, well, Boaz is one of our kinsmen redeemers. A kinsman redeemer in that day and that according to Old Testament law and custom, a kinsman redeemer was a male relative who was responsible for taking those care of those in his family who were in need. Scene four, Ruth and Boaz meet and they, they each individually take steps of obedience. Ruth stepping out in obedience, trusting that Boaz will receive her and Boaz stepping out in obedience taking the risk of being with a woman from Moab. And if you read the book of Numbers, verse 25, you realize how dangerous Moab women were. They both take these risks of obedience. And yet, 
it seems that underneath all of this, behind the scenes, God is using these steps of obedience to carry out an even bigger plan which we are moving toward. Scene five, <clears throat> there is another kinsman redeemer ahead in the line of Boaz to be the kinsman redeemer, but he chooses not to. And so Boaz, because of his desire to fulfill his role and because he has the resources, he serves as the kinsman redeemer and he marries Ruth. And so Naomi is part of the family. He has redeemed them. He has rescued them in their need and out of danger. And you and I, with our Christian eyes, reading this story, we realize that Boaz is like a signpost pointing toward, like a foreshadowing pointing to the person of Jesus, who one day would come and redeem us in our time of need and out of danger. It's a beautiful story. End of movie, right? Not quite. Seems like it could be the end of the movie. Everybody's happy. <clears throat> have you... Have you sat watching a movie before, and there's been really good character development and the development of a story. You've enjoyed the movie, enjoyed the story, and then the screen goes dark, and then the credits roll. And inside, there's a, a mild disappointment, just wishing that you could know a little bit more about how things turned out for that character or those characters and how the rest of the story went for them. But I would imagine at another time, you've been watching a movie and good character development, a great story, the screen goes dark, but instead of the credits rolling, something like this comes on one year later. And then they tell you a little bit more about what happened with that person or those persons, and you're satisfied to know what happens. Well, in this story, it, it's not one year later, it's nine months later. And so we know a little bit more of what goes on here. And this is what we heard just a few moments ago, but I want to read it again. So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. And when he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age, for he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if it were her own. The neighbor women said, Now at last Naomi has a son again? And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. <clears throat> I don't know about you, I, the, the kind of books I like to read, the, the variety I like to read, typically are biographies. I like to read uh, the, the stories of people who lived a long time ago. They call them dogs, dead old guys, or dead old gals. I like to read their stories and to just hear about what happened and how they ended up here. Now, typically when I'm reading a story, I, 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 I can't help but think, as I'm in the middle of this story, this person has no idea how the end of their story will turn out. No idea whatsoever. I, I do. I either know the book or I know the story, but when you're in the middle of the story, they don't know how it's going to end. I'm reading a, a biography right now of Ulysses S. Grant, an appropriate book to read on Memorial Day weekend as we remember those who have given their lives for our country. Ulysses S. Grant um, 
We know the end of his story. He ends up becoming the famed general of the Civil War and a two-time sitting president. But when you're in the middle of the story, as I am now, (laughs) I mean, he gets kicked out of the military, and he he doesn't have two nickels to rub together. Incredibly poor. He has no idea all of this is coming. In fact, the author at times will use the word providence in the sense of, and providence has it so that he did this and this and this, and eventually he moves to the end of his life, but not knowing how it all ends. You and I, we, we don't know the end of our story at all. But we do know this from Scripture, that our choices and our decisions, they really matter. And somehow, mysteriously, God takes those choices and decisions and weaves them with his sovereign will, his purposeful sovereignty, and carries out a plan in our lives that we don't understand how this will all finish. But we do know that our choices and our decisions matter now. In a day when the judges ruled Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes, Boaz and Ruth and Naomi, they tried to do what was right in God's eyes. And their lives were marked by obedience, marked by a nobility and a character. And as a result, God takes those risks of obedience, those acts of obedience, that nobility and character, and weaves them together with his sovereignty and carries out a much bigger plan, which we are about to see. (laughs) And I would say, we could summarize it like this. There is a personal blessing that results, but also a global blessing that results. Let me talk about the personal blessing first. Of course, they have a baby. That's a personal blessing. That That was a joy. Ruth, in her years in Moab, married to Naomi's son, she was barren. And she was barren up to this point. And so the elders prayed for her. This is what we read last week, this passage. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. I think they, they, they mentioned Rachel first because Rachel herself was barren for many, many years. Over the years, my wife and I in church ministry, we've, we've had so many good friends who for one reason or another cannot have a child. And yet God has, has come alongside them and blessed them in special ways, not always with giving them a child. It doesn't always work out like that. But God was close to them. In this case, God himself provides a child for for Ruth and Boaz. Chapter 4, verse 14 says, Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. Let's let's remember where Naomi came from. She moved to Moab and her husband died. And then her two children died. So having a son in the family now is just a huge, huge thing. Even though the son is Ruth's, she feels like it's her own. And now there's this baby who is a son who will grow up and now be able to take care of Naomi when she's older. Be able to leave behind an inheritance. Be able to carry on the family name. There is great joy there, but that's not the way the story begins in the book of Ruth. Naomi is a bitter woman. 
And she is sad and she is distraught, but now there is joy because there is a baby. And they named the baby Obed, which means worship. But it's not just a baby, it's a baby boy. Get this, it's a baby boy born in Bethlehem. Now you and I, with our Christian lens, we look at that story and we think, well, that's like a foreshadowing. That's like a, that's like a signpost pointing toward the day when another baby boy would be born who would redeem all of us and bring us into a relationship with God through Christ alone. Bring us out of danger. Rescue us in our time of need. So this is not just a personal blessing for an individual family. That's not the end of this book. There is also a global blessing involved here. What do I mean by that? There's a commentary written by Ian Duguid. And in it, he, he references, he references the, the animated movie Ants, A-N-T-Z. Do you remember that from years ago? Woody Allen plays the lead ant. And Woody Allen falls in love with another ant, the princess ant. And by the end of the movie, they're in love and everyone's together rejoicing because they've defeated the evil forces and you get the picture. But in this movie, as they're all celebrating together, the the camera begins to pan out. It begins to zoom out. Because you then realize that that all of that's happening in this little ant colony, it's not just about this colony. It's happening in the context of something much bigger. And as it pans out, there's this little colony in the middle of Central Park in the heart of New York City as you see the skyline. And that's sort of what's going on here. The author of Ruth starts to pan out. This isn't just about Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. It pans out and you realize this is much bigger. This is, this is huge. This affects the entire world. And so he ends with A genealogy. (laughs) Can I read it to you? We heard it earlier. This is the genealogical record of the ancestor of Perez, who was the son of Judah. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Minadab. Minadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David, who ended up being King David. Now, I got to tell you, when I'm reading through the Bible and I come to a genealogy, it's like, <gasps> next page. Why would, why would this beautiful story of Ruth end with a boring genealogy? I'll tell you why. Do you know where this genealogy shows up again? Let's put it back on the screen. Do you know where this genealogy shows up again? It shows up at the very beginning of the New Testament in Matthew chapter 1. And this little genealogy is in the middle of a much bigger, grander genealogy that starts with the very first name in the New Testament, which is Abraham, and it ends with the name of Jesus. So, why would you take this gorgeous story of Ruth this little diamond story called Ruth, and end it with a boring genealogy. (laughs) It's because this genealogy points all the way back to the book of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible. When God promises Abraham that Abraham will be blessed, and by that God means you 
Through faith you will be made right with God. And then God tells Abraham, and through you, through your lineage, through your genealogy, all the peoples of the world will receive this blessing that will come through you. They will be made right with God as they put their faith in the Lord. So here's a Ruth, a Moab, a Moabite, a Gentile, a non-Jew, not part of the worshiping community, but now, because of her faith in God, she is woven into the family of God. This genealogy reminds us of the promise given to Abraham. But it doesn't just look back to Genesis, it looks forward to Jesus. Who is the who is the fulfillment of this blessing that was promised to Abraham. One day Jesus would come along and give this same blessing, give the opportunity to be made right with God through faith in Christ alone. And here we sit in this room worshiping Christ. We have a relationship with God because of faith in Jesus. But you know, it's not just for you and me. It's for the whole world. John chapter 3, verse 17, Jesus did not come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world, the whole world. Anybody who is still apart from God, whether it's a, a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Zoroastrian or a Shintoist or an atheist or an agnostic or whoever it might be, the people in your life who may still be apart from God, that's who Jesus came for. So this genealogy points us toward Jesus who came for all of us. But, you know, it's interesting. It doesn't point just back to Genesis. It doesn't point just toward Jesus. It points beyond Jesus to a day, to a day when, when the throne of God is surrounded with people from every tribe and nation and language and color. And that's found in the book of Revelation. So from Genesis through Revelation, this genealogy matters. It shows us something much bigger, that one day the Ruths of the world and the Moabites of the world will be with God, along with you and me. So between this day and that day, there are some things we, can, we should remember, I think. And I want to I draw out some principles from the, from the book of Ruth. Between this day and that day, God is providentially working behind the scenes in each of our lives. You know, with, with Ruth and Boaz and Naomi, I mean, they're just going through their ordinary lives, right? They, 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 they travel, they go through a famine, they, they face death, they get married, they have a baby, and all of that, just their ordinary lives, but providentially, God is doing something much bigger behind the scenes where eventually Jesus shows up in their lineage. Who would have thought that would happen? God is the same today as he was then. And God works in the same way. Our ordinary lives, our, the ordinariness of our lives, we wake up, we go to work, change a diaper, make a meal, our everyday lives where we, where we are attempting to, to live our lives as Jesus would live our lives if he were us trying to be obedient, our different risks of obedience, our steps of obedience. God providentially works behind the scenes and takes all of those choices and decisions and weaves them together with his sovereignty 
to carry out a bigger plan in our lives. So our decisions and choices matter. We must take this seriously, that God is providentially working behind the scenes in each of our lives. Second thing, between this day and that day, remember who God uses. I mean, who were Naomi, Boaz, and Ruth? Back then, nobody knew who they were. We know because they're now recorded in Scripture forever. But who are they? I was reading through a book on wisdom written by Tim Keller, and he reminds us that God's salvation came into this world through a nobody, a no-name guy named Abraham. And then God uses Jacob, but not Esau, and Sarah, but not Hagar, and Leah, but not Rachel, and David, but not his more presentable brothers. God uses people you don't expect. And then comes along this lady named Ruth, a Moabite of all things, who is now in the lineage of the one who would come one day as the Son of God in flesh named Jesus, who would be born not as a ruler or a a warrior, but in a manger and live as a suffering servant? Who would have expected that? And this is who God uses, the unexpected, the unlikelies, like you and like me. So God providentially works behind the scenes in each of our lives, and he wants to use us, but use us to do what? And the third thing, and the final thing, is to be a blessing to the Moabites in your life. God has strategically and sovereignly, providentially, placed you in the family you are in for a reason, whether you like it or not. In the neighborhood you are in, whether you like it or not. In the job you're in, whether you like it or not. At the gym where you work out, where you shop. And do you know all around you, there are people who are still unsure of what it means to have a relationship with God, to be right with God, to know the blessings of God that come through Christ alone. There are Moabites in your life, people like Ruth. And you were there for a reason. To carry the spirit of Jesus. What was Jesus known as? The friend of sinners. We are to be the church out there in the community. That's a lesson from the book of Ruth. It's much bigger than what we see on the surface. God is working behind the scenes. Now, the movie's over. The movie's over, but stay in your seats. Because we're going to see a preview of the next movie. (laughs) Actually, it's the series we're going to start next week. 